Good morning, Sleepy Town. I'm Bo Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House, Art House Radio on 88.5 WCUG. Thanks for joining us today. We have a wonderful show. We have a conversation with Matthew Moon and Sho Irakawa. Morning, Matt. Morning, Bo. Morning, Sho. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> so good to be on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Hammer it. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. It's a good show today. Yeah, we're excited about the show today. We're happy to be with you. Happy to have this conversation. We've got a lot of things to talk about. It's a big world. quote of the day today comes from Henry Miller. Don't be nervous. Work calmly, joyously, recklessly on whatever is at hand. Don't be nervous. Work calmly, joyously, recklessly on whatever is at hand. Henry Miller. Thanks for being with us this morning on The Art House. We're going to have a great conversation with Matthew Moon and Shoei Rakawa right here on 88.5 WCUG. Thanks for joining us on The Art House. We'll be back after this. There's a new world coming And it's just around the bend There's a new world coming This one's coming to an end There's a new voice calling You can hear it if you try And it's growing stronger With every day that passes by Yeah, yeah, yeah There's a brand new opening Rising clear and sweet and free 
So I'm Bo Bartlett, we're on the Art House, and we're here with Matthew Moon and Sho Irakawa. How's everybody doing today? Doing well, all things considered. How about y'all? Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, there's ups and downs, personally, uh, in this world. There's a lot going on still and ongoing, but that's the nature of, of the universe, I suppose. Matt, Matthew Moon, how you doing? I can't, I cannot complain. Mm. That's good. No need to complain, really. Yeah. No need to complain unless we could do something about it. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think you earn a right to complain if you're willing to do something about it. Um, have you guys seen anything lately? Uh, art shows? Have any, heard any music, uh, either locally or uh, you know, new things that have come out? Or any TV or movies or anything you got going on? Let, let's hear culturally what, what you guys are, are doing. I'd love to hear what, what you're into. Yeah. Um, you know, yesterday I woke up on a friend's couch. <laughs> and, oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah, they were in the middle of an episode of Euphoria. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Uh, do you know Zendaya? I haven't. She's an actress. Yeah, but she <laughs> she has a show called Euphoria that's a huge hit right now. I'd never watched it, but they had a special episode where they explore a character more, the main character, Rue, and she was she has a drug issue. Like, I love this episode. Maybe drugs. Yeah, I just want to say. She was in a diner. Mm-hmm. And... It, this man who also had a history of drug issues and being abusive to his family, mm-hmm. he had recently become Muslim and he had this new outlook on life and was trying to like bring her to that side of the what life is outside of just all these dark moments. And um, I ended up sobbing, like I was weeping at the end of the episode because you know it's a lot of beautiful things. Like I have this new tattoo on my leg, um, yeah. the Eightfold Path in Buddhism, and he was. You know, religions are all similar in the sense that they all have this idea of like, here's the path to how you get to a better version of yourself. And he's basically talking about that. And she had at one point said, I don't plan on being here much longer. And I remember having that thought mm. of being like, oh, the world doesn't need me. And it was such a powerful, powerful episode. Yeah, um, I'm very familiar with uh, right speak. It's one of the things I try to try to practice in my own life. Right speak generally being... Um, don't say anything unless it's true. Don't say anything unless it's constructive. And don't say anything about anyone else unless they are in the room with you. Which is a good way to practice basically not saying very much. Because a lot of our time is spent um, gossiping and just talking about other people behind their back. So um, it, it's, it's a good practice. What are the other um, Eightfold Path truths uh, such as... Uh, right intention, et cetera. What, what else do you have there? Um, my favorite one that I like to kind of practice about is um, right view. Mm-hmm. This concept that nobody's wrong, that everyone has their own unique perspective. Um, I think that's a, very true. Um, it helps establish such a deep sense of empathy mm-hmm. for understanding how someone else may be thinking or why they came to a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, I'm going to just hit, touch on that real quick. I mean, because I think right now, there's a lot going on with the concept of um, freedom of speech mm. and uh, allowing other people to have their expression without being canceled, you know, without cancel culture, because we're all sort of afraid to say anything because we might be canceled on social media or otherwise. So um, it's a very important concept, right view, where we all have our point of view. Um, and that said, I think that it's important to realize from sort of spiral dynamics, Ken Wilbur, a worldview that it's, it's hard to talk about because it's hard to uh, verbalize, but uh, that, that to, to, we need to get to a place in an, an integral theory way of thinking where we can realize that some ideas are actually better than other ideas, but that's without canceling people or putting them down. But some ideas are actually better than other ideas. And so we have to be able to weed through that. And that's all very tricky territory yeah. because it's not from an ego point of view where you decide what's better. It's like, what's better for the whole system? What idea is better for the whole system? Uh, anyway, I, I digress. C- can you continue, please? Yeah, no, the- what you said is very important because I think that's where right thinking and right diligence comes into place because 
how are you interpreting something someone just said? And how, as a society, are we establishing whether or not this is quote unquote good or bad? So if someone says COVID is a hoax, for example, which we've heard a lot about, you know, um, I think, you know, I like to understand perfect, perfect why, example. Yeah. yeah, why is someone thinking that way? But then you also have to understand as a society that this person is not a uh, scientist and that should be the baseline. Uh, I don't want to say should be because everyone, mm-hmm. I don't want to establish laws, but you know, that's important to understand why someone said something and how should we react to it? Yeah, you know, there's that, uh, that quote, which I actually like to take out of context, which is uh, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now where he says, uh, it's judgment that defeats us, mm. which is a, uh, you know, it's a strange place to get a quote, but it's also uh, an important idea in a lot of ways. There's that old Buddhist morality tale, which goes, we know not what is good or bad. So the, the story goes that, I may have told you this before on the radio once, Matt, but, but uh, there was a, a farmer and uh, he had a son and he wanted his son to go out and, uh, tend the horses so he had a, a bunch of horses in the uh, in this in the stable and the gate got open and the horses escaped and the neighbor said oh that's that's too bad and the farmer said oh, we know not what is good or bad and so the the son goes out and catches the horses and brings them back and brings them back including a couple of wild stallions uh, that were out mustangs that were out on the on the plains and he brings them back and they corral them because the more horses you have, the wealthier you are. And his neighbors all say, oh, that, that is good. And the farmer says, we know not what is good or bad. And then the uh, son is trying to uh, train one of the Mustangs and get and tame it and make it a, uh, a horse that they can ride. And he falls off and he breaks his leg, compound fracture. And the neighbors all say, oh, that's too bad. And the father says, we know not what is good or bad. And then the next day, the armed forces come through and there's a war starting on the front and they take all of the young teenage boys off to, to the war to, um, to fight and they're going to go off to the, um, most likely to their death and the, the son who's at home with the fractured compound leg can't go because he can't walk and um, so the moral of the story is we know not what is good or bad you, know, you, just, you, you never know how it's going to play out and, and to, to judge things as they're happening and as they go, we never know. So it's always a process. And to just try to hold back from the judgment and watch things unfold without assessing, oh, this is a good thing or that's a, a bad thing. Just live the life and, and take it step by step and don't proclaim this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. And I think that's sort of helpful in our relationships right now with what's going on. Both in the culture wars in America mm-hmm. and in the larger world. What else you got there? Uh, uh, right mindfulness. Oh, please. Yeah, please. Um, you know, this concept, and it, you know, it kind of encompasses everything. It's towards the end of the loop of the Eightfold Path. You know? It's mindfulness is being aware of yourself. Why are you feeling something? As a feeling arises, acknowledging that feeling and saying, I, I feel you and I, I know you're there. But not letting that feeling control your decisions and um, making the world around you bend to your will sort of thing. Mm. I think that's a important thing I'm still working on deeply. always yeah yeah learning to what we can control and what we can't control 
and letting go of the things we can't control and just releasing into it. And the things we can control, you know, embrace it and have some control over it. And knowing the difference between the two is definitely a place of wisdom. I would like to step in and ask, y'all have been kind of talking about right speak, right think, a lot of these things. And um, as someone who's not steeped in any of this, what, what kind of is the full path? What are, what are y'all kind of getting at talking about? Well, uh, the, the Four Noble Truths are one of the basic tenets of Buddhism. And the, f- the first noble truth is there is suffering. And so basically, when the Buddha reached enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, and this was, what, third century BC, perhaps? Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, long time ago. Then uh, it, it was a uh, way of sur- survive, a way of uh, realizing that how to survive through life in a peaceful way, because the the goal is sort of peace of heart, peace of mind. So I think the second noble truth, perhaps, is there is a way out, or there is a, a way through. And then eventually, by the fourth noble truth, it is the eightfold path is the way, the way through. And so it's those tenets of the eightfold path that can guide us through. Yeah, and I think all religions have some form of it. Um, you know, you got the seven deadly sins kind of points in the fence. Let's say, hey, avoid this, and you can, and I don't know the word, but you can get this goodness out of mm-hmm. following a good mm-hmm. life. So I think, I think that was one of the things in that episode that he was telling to the girls that people these days don't have this sense of religion. There's this distancing from a religion. And he was saying that because people don't have that sense of guilt or a sense of, I have to do better so I can get this out of life. That's why we're getting into a darker world. Mm. Is what he said, mm. I thought was very interesting. Yeah. I think we've lost track with a lot of those, a lot of the traditions, you know, science, information, those things sort of take the place of those things because I guess all gaps in actual knowledge are filled with projections, you know. So if we don't know something, we're going to sort of project into it. And so religion, back in the day, before there was much scientific knowledge, religion answered a lot of those questions. They were filling the gaps of lack of knowledge with the gods and the goddesses. And so the Buddha, actually a lot of the teachings from the Buddha, the sort of mindfulness and peace and love as as primaries, are, um, you know, things that were folded into Christianity. And there's some debate if the, you know, the three wise men in the traditional story of, you know, coming to uh, Jesus's birth were from the East. And if they were indeed, uh, you know, Buddhists looking for the Pancha Lama. So um, there's many tie-ins between the the faith traditions of Buddhism and and Christianity. Christianity, you know, based in the Middle East was based on uh, the Old Testament, you know, the Torah which, you know, had the Ten Commandments, which was thou shalt nots, mm. which is sort of a, a different way of thinking than uh, the, the Buddhist tenets, which were more um, ways of being. Did that help at all, Shaw? Yeah. That helped clarify that? Deep stuff. <laughs> Loaded <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know, a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, there's a lot, to, a lot to chew on there. What else have you guys been listening to? Any other creative uh, things you've been uh, noticing or things you've liked lately? Music, movies, uh, shows, art shows. My mother has actually been rewatching a kind of a style of performing arts from Japan called Takarazuka, <laughs> where it is all female-led, and so uh, they'll do. When I first started being exposed to it, it was like watching Shakespeare, 
And wow. so they would, you know, it would all be women playing male and female roles and they would just enact it. And it's like a school where you go and they train you to like, you know, act both to like kind of model masculine behavior on stage and to model feminine behavior on stage. And so she's been watching that recently. And that's been a really interesting, you know, performing art to watch, especially from a country like Japan, where, you know, we think of like kabuki arts as being kind of like a major uh, cultural export. And so kind of seeing that not only do they have modern performing arts systems in Japan, but they also have like an interesting format that provides a space, um, especially when we look at Japan as being very status quo oriented, you know, making sure that, um, you know, women tend to serve a more sub submissive role in that country. And so having a space where they can succeed, be trained and like, you know, learn these performing arts and being able to take on, you know, that are literally male roles in a way I think is kind of empowering and really cool. And so I've been watching that and I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Um, where, where, where would I see that? I know that they do some performances in the U.S. every once in a while, but most of the time it's um, a little bit more Japanese-centric. Um, it tends to split the shows. Kind of like when you go see modern classical music performances these days, they tend to do the A part as like classical music only, and the B part tends to be more modern pieces. Mm -hmm. And so they tend to have that dichotomy as well. But are you watching those on YouTube or is there... A um, there should be some on YouTube. She yeah. actually has a jailbroken version of a Japanese app on her phone, which she probably okay. hates me telling the world <laughs> right now. We won't tell anybody. Because she's such an honest person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how do I spell that? If I were to look it up on YouTube or something, Taka? Yeah. Uh, Takarazuka. So T-A-K-A-R-A-Z-U-K-A. Well, wonderful. I look forward to I look forward to watching some of that. It's very interesting, and it's it's really great because um, my mom is always like, "They're so pretty, like they're so like they look so good," and like even in the male roles, they're like they're so handsome, you know. So yeah. it's like they're really able to embody and take on that role in a way that's like convincingly masculine, mm -hmm. which I think is a you know um, I guess kind of a large part of that kind of. Uh, like gender transformation, I guess, is doing the non-verbals as well. And so being able to block themselves in a way that um, matches or conforms to like masculine expectations on stage. I think, you know, all it's just very interesting project. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. I look forward to that. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so of course, of course. What about you? What have you been watching? What art shows have you been going to? Well, we have some uh, good shows right this minute at the Bo Bartlett Center and a great one coming up, which I'm excited about. Right now we have the uh, Sync show, which is the faculty exhibition from the College of the Arts. And that's definitely worth stopping into. And then we have the um, Mirror Mirror, which is a Jonathan Waltz from the Columbus Museum. He curated that. And that's a show of self-portraits, paired self-portraits. And so that's a, a fascinating show. But the show that's coming up that I'm extremely excited about is uh, Compaterra which is uh, a Latin word, which means essentially, um, it's a version, it's, it, the word competition came out of the word competera. Mm. But in competition in Western society, it's about, you know, dog eat dog, like, you know, somebody winning. You think about sporting events with competition, it's like one person, there's gonna be a victor, one person's gonna win, just like in war, it's all male stuff. Whereas competera is much more about two people both doing their very best work to raise up together and rise up together and do their very best to help the other one do their very best. 
And so it's, it's not really competition, it's about doing your very best together. Mm-hmm. So the show pairs couples married or uh, people in relationship, uh, couples that uh, are both working in their own field, their own, you know, mostly painters, but, but working with their own discipline to, to do the very best they can and to help the partner do the very best they can. I think it's an important concept in terms of where we are in the world too, because I think that we take on this duality where, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's black or white. It's, you know, it's red or blue. It's, you know, we, we take on these dualities and it's you know, us versus them, you know. And enemy. Yeah, always. And so it's the other. So if we could start to embrace a little bit this concept of, you know, somebody doesn't have to be the victor, Republicans or Democrats, you know, we're in this thing together and we have to have a higher concept that we're both working toward, you know. So like the idea of democracy or the idea of freedom or the idea of, you know, in our small case of, of America, we might want to uh, realize that we need to help do our very best in, in our own fields and to help the other one do their very best so that we can rise up and, and have the very best of this thing, of the situation that we're in. Rather than being mutually exclusive, it's mutually inclusive in that sense. Exactly, yeah. Sort of being transpartisan mm. in a way. Uh, and in this world... Uh, you know, right now we have mutually agreed upon destruction as the two nuclear, as the nuclear powers all point toward their weapons toward one another, you know, and how can we move through this and through that until we get to a point where we're all living together to make the world a better place? Yeah. I'd like to ask a question then, because, you know, you've said it very eloquently, kind of what the thesis of the show is. Why is art the space that this is, you know, why is art that space? Right. I, th- I think that art in it by its very nature is more, um, is a solitary act, but that it builds upon itself. And artists are very aware of what other artists have done in the past and, and willing to take that as a starting point and build upon it. And in the community, there aren't clear cut winners or losers uh, in the art community, both nationally and locally. Everybody's doing their best work, seeing what other people are doing, responding to it. So it's, it's a more of an um, organic growing together, unlike a sporting event where you have, you know, one football team definitely defeats the other football team. Mm. And same as in, you know, corporations or business or anything. Uh, in the art realm, it's a more open way of being and growing and communicating and learning and continuing to evolve, it's, which is... By nat- it's nature less competitive, uh, I think. I, I think that um, uh, from outside perspective, art also gives the viewer a very, like, since it's visual, a visual medium, it's like this person's feeling this, or it, it gives you this like idea of perspective that maybe um, something written couldn't. And of course, mm. written art is mm-hmm. a different way of giving perspective, but visual art, like for me as a visual person, I can see this person must have been feeling this. Yeah, that's fascinating because it's really, I mean, uh, the visual arts in some regard transcends language and in that regard transcends uh, on some level ideas. So, you know, someone could be painting in Russia or painting in Japan Mm -hmm. or uh, painting in the Middle East or painting in Africa or painting in uh, the Americas and people can just look at it and see right away what it is. There doesn't have to be a translation that happens for them to understand it, unlike language, music, the written word, those things. So it's a visual language, so therefore anyone can see it and, 
the ideas expressed might be highly personal, but the, the mood or the uh, temperament of the artist is going to come through. And hopefully that sort of is where the soul is residing. And that's so that the people who are seeing it can feel that, that soul in an ideal uh, scenario and relate to it on a heart level as, as opposed to a head level or a brain intellect level. And in that, those regards, it's uh, a universal language. Um, my mother's one of the types of people that look at art and say, I don't get it, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and, and I don't mean, I don't say closed-mindedness in a negative way. Mm -hmm. I just mean that you have to be willing to accept whatever you're seeing. Like, not as, I wonder what they were trying to do or what is this supposed to be? But how does this make me feel? What do I see in this? Mm -hmm. I think that's what you know, just said. I think that's very important. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of it is we get in our silos and we get in our thought patterns and we get in our, with our tribe and we get in our belief systems and that we sort of can get stuck there. Whereas uh, with art, you hopefully can evolve to a point of being more open and open to new ideas and open to seeing the world differently and learning from that. So uh, you learn quite quickly, you know, you might have a preference. It's like, oh, I have a preference for country music or I have a preference for classical music or something or, you know, you know rap. But it, it, what happens in, in art is, you, you know, you don't really wind up saying, well, you might say, I have a preference for realism or something. I sort of like realism. You know, more traditionally minded or classically minded people might, might prefer that. But as an artist, you realize that all art is happening and all art is good. And as long as it's... Uh, you know, true to the artist's temperament and they're making something that's true and ex to exist in the world for the right reasons, then you realize that the style of it doesn't matter because style is going to be based on the fashions of the day and, you know, where knowledge is at that moment, you know. So things change, constantly change, and you have to be open to that change and evolving, always evolving. And I think that's where, you know, you don't get dogmatic about one particular style or one particular way that things should look. You're, you just try to stay open to like, wow, what are the possibilities? And they're endless. In one's own work, you might prefer one thing and therefore you might make that kind of work. Or you might say, you know, throw caution to the wind and just make anything you feel any given day. And any approach is fine in the arts, which is one of the liberating things about it. There's not one approach that's better. But just like with any musician or any other artist and any other uh, category, you know, you tend to lean toward the thing that you feel comfortable with for all the reasons that you make your work and the things that influenced you when you were young and things like that. The signposts that you, you heard something and you liked it, so you're going to do your version of it. So I think that that's what the way we, um, we operate on a day-to-day -day basis as artists. We, we uh, find the things we like and we sort of make our versions of them. And then true geniuses are making things they've never heard before or never seen before but we can all you know hope for that or aspire to that but the rest of us are just you know making our work day to day and, and adding to the ocean of, of creativity you know we're making our little piss in the ocean yeah. <laughs> from what's happened before yeah I'll just step in again because uh, you both said something that reminded me of a music video I've been watching repeatedly and it's um, from a French artist named Stromae and um, it's S-T-R-O-M-A-E and it's a, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. It's in French, but it's Fille de Jouie, which means Sons of Joy. Mm -hmm. And the music video takes place in a fictional country and they're holding a funeral for a missing sex worker. Mm. And he said, the reason it's called Sons of Joy, he wanted to take on the role of 
I'm the child of a, of a sex worker that's gone missing because he said that so many women are put in these situations where their life's in danger. And if they have kids, that kid, kind of it by proxy, is in, brought into that. Near life. that, and yeah. He said that he had a friend that um, when the friend was younger, his mom was with a man. And the man came up to her and said, I just did something to your mom. Like he said something to a child that is going to be scarring yeah. for a long time. And so this is just a very artistic music video. And the way the setup was, it was very, um, it felt very imperial. Mm -hmm. It was like everyone was wearing stiff suits. There was a raised platform people were on and the rest of everybody was down there, like just in the crowd. But it was also beautiful in a way. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. I, I would love to hear that. Let's give that a listen. Okay. Okay. Être seul c'est difficile, et là ça fait des années Et de juger c'est facile, surtout quand on n'y a pas goûté Le plus dur, bah c'était la première fois Puis le plus dur, c'est de savoir quand sera la dernière fois C'est vrai je suis pas contre un peu de tendresse de temps en temps Et puis cette fois-ci, bah je pourrais le faire en l'insultant Oui tout est négociable dans la vie moyenne en paiement En plus je suis sûrement son meilleur client C'est déjà bien Faudrait pas qu'elle se prenne un peu trop pour des mannequins Mesdames, ou devrais-je dire putain Mais oh, laissez donc ma maman Oui je sais, c'est vrai qu'elle n'est pas parfaite C'est un héros, et ce sera toujours fièrement Que j'en parlerai, que j'en parlerai Je suis un fils de pute, comme ils disent Après tout ce qu'elle a fait pour eux Pardonne leur bêtise Chère mère, il te déshumanise C'est plus facile, les mêmes te gourdisent Et tout le monde ferme les yeux Je sais que c'est ton boulot Mais faut bien que je fasse le mien, non Entre le tien et le mien La différence c'est que moi je paye des impôts Allez circuler madame, reprends tes papiers Ce qui te reste de dignité Aux femmes, trouve-toi un vrai métier Mais oh Laissez donc ma maman, oui je sais, je sais. C'est vrai qu'elle n'est pas parfaite, c'est un héros. Et ce sera toujours fièrement que j'en parlerai, que j'en parlerai. Je suis un fils de pute, comme il dit. Après tout ce qu'elle a fait pour eux, pardonne leurs bêtises. Oh chère mère, il te déshumanise. C'est plus facile, les mêmes te courdisent. Et tout le monde ferme les yeux.
That's a great piece, Matt, and it gives me a lot to think about. Uh, a lot of uh, double entendres and metaphors and layers of meaning in that in that piece. I've lately been listening to uh, because Timmy Thomas died this this past week. I've been listening to his song "Why Can't We Live Together" uh, from 1972. I remember when that song came out. I was in high school, and it was quite a bit different from all the other music that was going on at the time. A little sort of Marvin Gaye-ish in a way, uh, or Temptations, but. Um, there was a long sort of almost jazzy intro, which was kind of hammering out the idea visually uh, with the music, the kind of staccato. Later on, Sade on her album Diamond Life did a version of Why Can't We Live Together, which is a, a smoother, lovely version. I, I wouldn't mind hearing both back to back. Why Can't We Live Together? Why can't we live together? 
covers uh, Sade's version of Why Can't We Live Together by uh, Timmy Thomas. Love that version. The bass line's much more, that's the one thing as a instrumentalist, I guess, I always listen for the bass line. And so listening to the development between the first version and this version, you can really hear, you know, there's like a an update to the bass line. It's very, very like R&B, early hip hop. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's what's cool too, is you can hear how uh, Timmy Thomas, who passed recently, how he influenced uh, Sade. And he never really uh, had another hit after that. That was sort of it. It was one hit wonder. Wow. So I've got a song that I'd actually like to share with y'all. It's a song called Sabadi by Amadou and Miriam. Um, this is a song, actually, if you're listening to Coke commercials, Coca-Cola commercials, these, this song is actually playing in the background. And so um, Sabali by Amadou and Miriam. Estão 
You've been listening to The Art House on 88.5 WCUG from Columbus, Georgia. Thanks for being with us today. We've been with our friend Matthew Moon. Hello or goodbye. (laughs) And Shoei Rakawa. I'll say goodbye and then hello. (laughs) You say hello. He says goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. So glad you're with us today on the radio. Thanks for being with us on The Art House. Lots to think about, lots to talk about. Let's move through this world smoothly, peacefully, and let's uh, care about our brothers. Keep having these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Let's continue to have these conversations. Don't be afraid to have the conversations, okay? I think that's one of the most important things is to to stay open, uh, be be real, and uh, meet everyone you meet face-to-face, eye-to-eye. We're all just human beings in this world. Matt, do you have anything to throw in as we leave? I would say, you know, back to my leg. That tattoo's on my leg. Absolutely. But be mindful. Like you just said, be be aware of how you're feeling, how you let the world around you kind of interact with that feeling. There you go. Good, Good words to go out on. Thanks for listening today. See you right back here next week on The Art House. Love and light, y'all. There's one thing that is certain 
There's one thing that is certain Some people build walls Others open 